This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. I am so happy to be here before I even begin the talk because I used to live here for 25 years and this has been my home in Unity for a long, long time. So this is such an honor for me. And it's so amazing to be here on the first day of Hanukkah and to be talking about miracles. Because once upon a time, as all good stories begin, long ago in a faraway city of Jerusalem, King Antichus of Syria invaded Jerusalem and invaded the temple. And because he didn't like the Jews and what they wore and how they spoke and the God they prayed to, he pushed them out of the temple and basically tried to get them to stop believing in what they believed in. But the Jews were a faithful people, and they went out into the hills and in the caves at night to study the Torah. And this is where the story of the dreidel hooks into Hanukkah, because the dreidel is a gambling game. Did you know that? Yeah. And so in order to disguised the fact that they were studying the Torah. When the sentries came by, they'd hide the book, and they would pull out the dreidel, and of course, they would get away with doing their um, faithful worshiping at night. And then among these Jews was a man named John Maccabee. And John and his little tribe or band of men, very small, probably like the first guerrilla warfare guys, um, came out and decided they were going to get King Antichus and the Syrian army out, and it took four years. And this was a small little group that fought a huge army. And that actually is the first miracle that they won. And they got Antichus and the Syrian army to leave. And then the Jews entered their temple, and they were so sad because they found that it had been so desecrated. The menorah, which stood above the Torah, which, which symbolized the seven, um, the seven chakras, the seven days of the week, with the middle candle being the Sabbath. Many, many uh, sevens in the Bible and many things that symbolized the original menorah that could only be lit in the temple and held the eternal flame of God, was destroyed. And the only oil, they, could, they, they built a new one, and then they found the oil, but only one little jar. And it was very special oil that lit this candle. And it was only enough for one day. But they had a rider, and the rider took off and came back. How many days later with the rest of the oil, do you think? All together now? And it took eight days. It, it, this, 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 this light lasted for eight days, the original day and the seven days it took before the next oil came. And that was the celebration at the first miracle. Now, Hanukkah, the word Hanukkah means re a dedication. And they were rededicating the temple to God by lighting the menorah. And we're going to do the same right now. Asher 
Ruk Ator Adanoi Eloheno Melachalom Asher Kishanu Bamitzpa So Bitsivano Lahalik Ner Nel Shel Chanaka. Blessed are you, our God, ruler of the universe, who makes us holy through your commandments and commands us to light the Hanukkah lights. We light the first Hanukkah candle. And so this is a very special menorah called a Hanukkah, because the menorah could only be lit in the temple. And so to celebrate Hanukkah, the eight days, they created the Hanukkah, which symbolizes the eight days that it took, that the light was miraculously lit, and then the Shamus, the ninth, is the one that they light with. A miracle. And there are so many in the Bible, aren't there? Red Sea parting, water into wine, dead people being raised from, you know, a lot of miracles. But what if miracles weren't? Hmm. I looked up the definition of a miracle, and it says, an extraordinary or supernatural event, something that cannot be explained through human nature or natural cause. But when you think about the ancient man, well, they didn't believe that the world was round until 1492. So many of the things they experienced had to have been miracles because they didn't understand them. Not the way we do today, right? Today we know so much more, don't we? Think about it. There's quantum physics. We understand that everything is energy and there's this quantum field of energy that we are all a part of and that when we observe something that energy coalesces and manifests into a particle an atom and it manifests into microphones and people and bowls and trees and everything that we see and law of attraction says that we are electromagnetic beings the electric part is our thoughts, right? The wires in there, yeah? And the magnetic is our emotions, our heart. And when those two are in alignment, we can manifest anything. How many of you have parking fairies? I just want to know. Oh, my God. Look at all those names. Okay. So you know how this works, right? So what if miracles weren't something so extraordinary and something outside of us? What if we were actually participating in every miracle? Jesus himself said where two or more are gathered, magic occurs. And think back to when you were a child. Oh my gosh, I know my first miracle was when I heard the jingle bells of Santa's sleigh on the roof of my house. I swear it was real. <laughs> and so... We all have experienced miracles, and I know Jane. I've known her for a long time. She asked me to do this talk because she knows I have had 
so many miracles, I'm really blessed, right? <laughs> but there's nothing special about me. Not really. I'm no different than you. I didn't have an easy childhood. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. And like Jane said, I've had quite a few challenges in my life. And yet I never stopped believing in miracles, in magic. And I'll tell you the reason is because it's so much fun. <laughs> it makes life juicy. So I'm going to tell you a few of my miracles, just so you have an idea. There's some really simple ones, like this squirrel that lives on the top of the tree near my house that comes down the tree and onto my roof and hangs over the ledge to say good morning to me every morning. I mean, that's really a miracle. And then I had this miracle once of lived in California and I was selling real estate and my then husband also was doing loans and it was 1989 and if any of you are old enough and remember 1989 was really bad, right? And so we weren't making any money and I turned to him and I said, if somebody paid you $100,000 and said you can do whatever you want, what would it be? I guess I was practicing to be a coach back then too. <laughs> And he said, I would raise animals, and I'd build fences, and I would have my kids on land. And I said, great, we need to move. Because we were living in Southern California, so we're never going to be able to afford that here. And I had a friend who had just come back from this tiny little town, 20,000 people, barely on the map, called Bend, Oregon. And I said, let's go. So we took this road trip. We came up to Bend. I fell in love. I was staying at the Bend Riverside Motel, which I guess now is condos. Like, oh, times have changed. <laughs> and we, we looked around the town, and we, we, we bought a duplex on a handshake for $69,000, literally, on a handshake, and went back home and told everybody, we're moving to Bend, Oregon. And everybody thought we were crazy. You don't even have jobs. And I said, I know, but we can be poor in Bend a lot easier than we can be poor in California. <laughs> so we had a big party. Everybody celebrated and that we were leaving. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and then we got the truck all lined up. And then suddenly we get this phone call from my husband's uh, ex-boss. And he says, I have a job for you. And, and Lance says, well, I, well I'm, we're, we're moving. And he goes, no, 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 let me tell you about it. It's the perfect job. It pays really, really, really well. It's a manager's job. The only problem is it's not in Camarillo. It's in Phil. Yes! Bad Oregon! Can you believe it? We were like, holy moly, he got on the next plane, he got the interview, he got the job, and we came to town making six grand a month. Now, that was a lot of money back then. Yeah, okay? That was the first miracle. Well, not the first. The first really, really big one. And then I had another one like that. So fast forward many years, a divorce, get remarried, new husband. And um, <laughs> that's a miracle. Uh, <laughs> And we were sitting, uh, we, 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 he was selling beer, and I was counseling, which I really loved. But I knew I wanted to help him get out of that business, and I had missed the business part of my life. And so uh, through a sequence of events, we were led by signs, we'll be talking about that later, to open and buy a franchise called Homestead Senior Care. I don't know how many of you remember this. 
Yeah, and um, we needed $25,000, which of course we did not have because we had just sent our first son to college. We had $2,000 left in our account and we started calling everybody we know trying to sell off our children if that was possible. <laughs> Whatever we could to raise $25,000. Well, we didn't get the money. And so we were sitting on the porch one day and I said, you know, I really feel in my heart that this is the next step. And so I really think that we just need to make the commitment. We'll figure out where the money comes from. Let's just make that commitment. Are you ready? And he said, yes. And I said, great. And I literally called the franchisor that day and said, we're doing this. And he said, all right, we need the money in two weeks. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I hung up the phone and I was like, all right, it'll happen. And then I went across the street to get the mail because it's in those little big boxes, you know. And there was a check for how much money? $25,000. And it was from a credit card company with a big interest. But so what, right? <laughs> I called the company and I said, is this real? And they said, yes. Put it in your account and use it for whatever you want. And I did. Big miracles. And the most recent one was, I have wanted to go to France since 2004 when I read a book called The Expected One by Kathleen McGowan, who I fell in love with and was all about Mary Magdalene, who has been a guide in my life over the last 25 years. And out of nowhere, this email comes into my email box saying, go to France with Kathleen McGowan. I mean, right there, that's a miracle. <laughs> and then the fact that I didn't have the money, again, to go. <laughs> and so I was like, I talked to my mom, I talked to friends, and, and they, I'll say, you know what, you have to do this. I said, I do. I took a credit card, I bought my ticket, 10 grand for this, for 15 days in France. It was phenomenal. And I just didn't even think about it. And when I got home, there was a check for $5,000. Came from a bank that used to have a loan with, you know, like 15 years ago. Out of nowhere. Half the trip was paid for already. Sounds like a lot of miracles, right? Yeah. Like I said, I'm not the luckiest person in the world. I'm a good manifester. And so being the person that I am and really what I'm really, really good at is patterns. I see patterns. I see it in people. I see it in nature. And I'm able to kind of step back from that and figure out, well, what is this pattern? What, where does it lead? And what I came up with was the ingredients that predate the manifestation of a miracle. I looked at all the miracles that had happened in my life and I said, how is this happening to me? And so I'm going to share those with you today. And I, I told Jane, I'm terrible at acronyms. We have a common friend who's really good, but I wasn't able to call her. So I made this up myself. <laughs> and the word is predates, which makes no sense. But this is what predates the manifestation of a miracle. And it's specific states of being and actions. So the P, um, and when you leave, before you leave, you're going to get a little card that has this on it, so you can hold on to it. So the P stands for present. If you are not here now, if your mind is in the past and things that happened then or in the future and what you're worried about, then you are not going to create a miracle. It's just not going to happen. You have to be present in this moment. What is real for you? What is good for you? What is powerful for you? This is when you are in alignment with all that is. And then the R, responsibility. 
you have to be willing to take responsibility for what you are co-creating every minute of every day in your life. And recognize it's not happening to you. It's not even happening for you. It's happening with you and through you. The E stands for expectation. You have to expect that this grand energy of the universe is benign and always in alignment for your best good. God asks us, and I use God, source, spirit, whatever, asks us for one thing. We only have to believe in the possibility of something. The universe will take care of the rest. So expectation. And the D is detachment, but not detachment from the outcome. Oh, no, no, no. You got to want that outcome. But detachment to the how the outcome will, will manifest. Where am I? D, A, appreciation. So appreciation is different than gratitude. Gratitude is something almost past, like I am grateful for th this friendship, this this beautiful place, it's, it's, it's after the fact. But appreciation is awe. It's looking at something and seeing its magnificence and seeing its beauty and seeing its value. Appreciation for all that is, especially all that is in your life right now. And then T is trust. You have to trust not only that what you expect is going to happen, but this is what I gave you a little clue in before. You have to trust that there are signs along the way that are your divine breadcrumbs to the manifestation that is coming. And then E, enthusiasm. So it's a Greek word, and it's enthusiasmos, and I know my mom is watching, so I hope I said it right. <laughs> And it means in spirit. So when you are enthusiastic, you're actually in alignment with spirit, that energy of excitement and knowing. And then finally, the S is surrender. And what you are surrendering to is the flow. You don't have to control anything. So these are the things that predates the manifestation of the miracle. And I invite you to play with them. And I invite you to look at the times in your life when the fairy is working for you. <laughs> and ask yourself, huh, am I present? Yes. Do I take responsibility? Mm-hmm. Do I expect that parking spot to show up? I sure do. <laughs> do I detach from how? I don't care if somebody just leaving or if it was empty when I got it. I don't care. Do I appreciate everything about this little parking lot? Yes, I do. And I trust that the signs are there. I'm going to be pointed in the right aisle to go down. Do you see how this works? Yes. Awesome. And so we come back to a miracle. What if miracles weren't? What if they weren't something outside of you, something so extraordinary that they only happen to a select few? What if instead miracles is what's ordinary? It's what happens every single day and every single minute. And all you need is the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Wow. Right. Because if 
everything about a miracle has you in it. You, 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 you. You are the miracle. And from you come all the others. Albert Einstein said, you can choose to live your life as if nothing is a miracle, or you can choose to live your life as if everything is a miracle. Which do you choose? 